If you are like, I found out that this thing really works for me, and then I kind of fell off of it for a while, so what? My mom says life is long. I always say life is short. Okay. But you know, I think people beat themselves up way too much. I have seen this a lot in the keto community too, where people are like, well, if I do this, then will I not be keto? And I'm like, is the keto police going to come get you? Like, who cares? Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Happy New Year. Now, I don't know about you, but a new year opens the door to new intentions and goals. If you haven't yet, I want to invite you to take a moment and reflect on 2018. What did that year hold for you? What were some of your wins and even some of your struggles? And based on those moments, what are you excited to create this year for yourself? For me, last year was filled with a lot of growth. I learned a lot about prioritizing and letting go of things, even if I didn't initially want to let them go. I learned how important it was to have a team and a community around me to help achieve big goals. There's absolutely no way we could have done everything that we did this last year without our team. I finished my book and I started this podcast and I created two new programs. I ran a summit and ran an epic fundraiser for supporting women around the world. I also focused a lot on my health, probably more than other years, and I made a commitment to my self-care that allowed me greater energy reserves to work on those big projects. And I am so grateful for last year. I can't wait to see what this year brings. It is already starting off in such a great way. Now, a new year also means new discoveries. And that's why I'm excited to have Diane Sanfilippo as today's guest. Not only is she a two times New York Times bestselling author, she and I share very similar food philosophies, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, if you find yourself still struggling with what is going on with your body and what to eat for your body, Diane is going to share a refreshing take on how to really know what's right for you. Now, before Diane and I jump into our philosophies about what to eat for your body, I wanted to take a moment and let you know that today's episode is the start of my two episodes per week for 2019. That's right. I will be releasing two podcast episodes each week on Tuesdays and Fridays. Today is our first Friday episode, so I am so happy that you are here with me. Now, we have a lot of epic interviews lined up for the new year, and you are not going to want to miss out. I am interviewing Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, Dr. Jolene Brighton, Dr. Alan Christensen, Ocean Robbins, and so much more. I can't wait for you to check out this lineup for 2019. No wonder I am so excited about getting this year started. And I will be showing up a bit more with exclusive topics that you are going to love. These topics are all related to my upcoming book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, which is publishing on February 12th, 2019. I can't believe we are getting closer and closer every single day. 
Now, speaking of my upcoming book, I just wanted to let you know that it's currently available for pre-order. You can grab your copy of the Essential Oils Hormone Solution and get instant access to over $300 in bonuses, including my self-care video series, my hormone masterclass, my best hormone cheat sheets, and the top five interviews from the Essential Oil Hormone Summit. Now, I will have the link to my book bonus page in the show notes, or you can just simply head on over there. It is drmarisa.com slash hormone book. Super easy to find. And with all these bonuses, you are going to be able to get your hormones back on track in no time. Now, as promised, I just want to take a moment and shout out a couple of the listeners for reviewing the Essentially You podcast. Each week, it just keeps getting better. And I can't tell you how blessed I am to have such incredible guests like Dr. Pedram, Sherry Salada, Nat Kragungas, and today, Diane Sanfilippo. So I just want to take a moment and thank Susan and Terry for reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Terry specifically wrote, I am obsessed with these podcast episodes. Dr. Marisa gives fabulous advice and I love her cheat sheets too. Well, Terry, honey, I am so happy that you are loving those cheat sheets. I definitely love to give them when I do my topics because I love those instant wins that you can create when you are looking to move the needle in your health. So thank you so much for that review. And we will be reaching out to you to send you my coveted Superwoman blend as a small token of my appreciation. Now, if you are listening, I would love, I just would love the opportunity to shout you out too. So you can reach out to me via Instagram at Dr. Marisa or Facebook, or by simply reviewing this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform that you love to plug into. That way I can continue to give you a shout out and support even more women who are ready this year in 2019 to step into owning their health, listening to their bodies and becoming the CEO of their own healthcare. Now it is time to bring on Diane and talk all things food and why you can have your own food philosophy that fits your very specific needs. But before I do that, I wanna quickly sing Diane's praises. So Diane Sanfilippo is the owner and founder of Balanced Bites, a certified nutrition consultant and a two-time New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo and the 21 Day Sugar Detox series, along with being a co-author of the Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. She writes for her popular health blog, balancedbites.com, and she is the co-host of the top-rated weekly health podcast, The Balanced Bite Podcast, available free on iTunes. Now, in 2016, Diane re-released her book, Practical Paleo, and sold over a half a million copies and spent a total of 97 weeks on the New York Times bestselling list. And on January 1st, a couple days ago, Diane released Keto Quick Start, a beginner's guide to a whole foods ketogenic diet. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Diane Filippo. How are you doing today, girl? I'm great. How are you? I am doing good. And I am really excited to have you on and to talk about 
a topic that I know you have been advocating for quite some time, and that is how, I want to say how to break up with sugar, but really just having a better (laughs) understanding of sugar, how to conquer the sugar demon. No, but we're going to be talking about sugar today. It's a really great time of the year to be doing that. It's the new year. A lot of people have overcome the holiday slump, maybe even still have like, can't, you know, I just feel like there's always that leftover candy from the holidays that you can't seem to get rid of without eating it. So I'm really excited to come out with some, just some simple strategies for us to walk away with, for us to figure out how to break up with sugar in a way that feels good to us, that really nourishes us. But before we get into all of that, I would love to know, how did you become so impassioned about nutrition? What drove you to want to just really dig into the kind of research to help women overcome sugar issues and really dial into a nutrition that really serves them? Well, my own struggle with sugar cravings was for sure at the root of it. So way, way back when I first sort of tuned in or woke up to the fact that what we're eating has such an impact on our health. It was honestly, I I mean, I laugh at myself because it was when Dr. Oz was on the Oprah show. So that's how long ago this was. And he was talking about the antioxidant property of blueberries and how we can, you know, potentially prevent cancer, at least as part of the factors that are contributing to cancer, looking at our diet and how can we eat an antioxidant rich diet. Okay. So that was kind of like the first eye opening moment for me about what we're eating affecting our health in a way that was more than just weight loss. That was kind of the defining moment for me. And the reason being my dad's whole side of the family was totally affected by cancer, multiple different types of cancer, very, very just riddled with it. And I, you know, it kind of freaked me out. It was like, what can I do? And feeling disempowered, nobody wants to feel disempowered, right? And so when we look at sugar, once I got the idea that, okay, I should be eating, you know, more fresh foods and vegetables and fruit and whatever else it is that's going to be rich in antioxidants, eventually I got to this place where I was eating you know, quote, healthy, you know, I say with like air quotes, but I was still struggling with sugar cravings. And when I finally realized that grains, especially refined grains and pasta and bread and, you know, pretzels and all these other things and granola bars, all these things that we all grew up eating tons of. They were kind of the foundation of our diet, right? When we were much younger, depending on how old you are, I'm 40 now. Pop-tarts. Yeah, Yeah, Pop-tarts. So, But like when we were in elementary school, we learned about the food pyramid and grains were at the base of it. And it was 11 servings of whole grains or whatever it was. And so, you know, a lot of us grew up really eating a heavy, heavy grain-based diet. And what that means for the body is a heavy carb slash sugar-based diet. It was not really based on very nutrient-dense foods that are going to kind of squash that craving cycle, the spike in your blood sugar and the crash. So Anyway, I was one of those people who, you know, when you're with your friends, when you're, I don't know how old I was, I must've been in my early twenties trying to go out to Chili's or something for dinner. And the wait was 45 minutes. And they were like, Diane, it's not going to make it that long. Somebody get her a granola bar. I mean, that was kind of the experience that if I had to wait too long for, I don't know why everyone else somehow could magically wait, but you know, I had these real issues that I couldn't make it a certain amount of time. I thought I was really going to pass out and my blood sugar was just so poorly regulated that I needed to find another solution. And so eventually when I did learn about the effects of 
you know, really high carb, low fat, not really paying that much attention to protein type of diet. And I learned that if I would not be afraid of healthy fats, if I would drop my carb intake, not, you know, you don't have to eat zero carbs, but let's not have those be the bulk and foundation of everything that we're eating and shift to eating more healthy fats and getting a good amount of protein that not only would I regulate my blood sugar, I wouldn't have those cravings. I wouldn't have that energy crash. I would also regulate my appetite a lot better and feel more satiated from my meals, enjoy my food because, you know, I'm using that olive oil, putting that ghee on my food and not being afraid of it. So it was kind of a journey over many years and in different kind of incarnations for me, but that's really the base of it. It was really my own experience, my own struggle. And then of course, working with clients and teaching about this as well. But that was kind of the, the early days. I love it. So the early days, just kind of really discovering. I love that you saw the episode with Dr. Oz and Oprah. Gosh, it feels like that sounds so familiar. You know, my first little book, my first, like, I think I wrote it in 2010, I want to say, was on antioxidants. And I was so enthralled at the idea of these superfoods that you could take advantage of them. And so when you said that, I really attuned to that as well. So when you decided to kind of start educating yourself and making that shift and eating healthier proteins, eating eating healthy fats, getting away from kind of that pyramid mindset diet that we were taught when we were younger, that grains are everything. What was it? Eight to 10 servings of grains a day, something like that. It was crazy. When you began to make that shift over to protein, healthy fats, healthy fiber, what did that do for you? What was that transformation like for you? The biggest thing that I got from it was that it was liberating because so many people are just kind of like you're just slave to the sugar. You know, it's like you feel like you can't make it that long without eating. I mean, one example I always give is I was talking about the waiting for a table at a restaurant, but then this would also happen at Target. And today is actually a great example. I mean, I left the house for several hours, did not need to bring a snack with me because I had eaten something, you know, a little bit before I left and just went and went about my business and was like, well, I'll probably be hungry when I get home and I'll eat something when I get home. But that was not an experience that I was used to. I was used to really like, I better pack something in my purse because I can't make it three hours in my for you know, my former way of eating. I would never have been able to make it three hours without having that snack or being nervous if there wasn't a snack on hand. When would I get something next? So it really was just an element of freedom of, you know, the food I'm eating is going to keep me satiated for much longer. And when I do get hungry, and I talk about this a lot in my books, I talk about it in 21 Day Sugar Detox, I talk about it in Practical Paleo, I talk about it in my new keto book, it's called Keto Quick Start. But this idea that you go from hungry to hangry really quickly that gets blunted and dulled when you reduce the carb intake to a place where it's it's not just about the numbers, but it's like the type of carbohydrates you're eating. So when you're really focusing on nutrient-dense vegetables, you don't spike your blood sugar super high and you also then don't crash it. And so when you're between meals, and this is you know my experience now, when I'm between meals, I might get hungry, but then what happens is you have this extra hour, sometimes two hours, where it might intensify for a little bit and then it actually starts to dull. Meaning instead of your appetite going from, okay, I'm hungry. Whoa, I'm really hungry. Okay. I'm ravenous. Okay. Nobody better talk to me because I'm going to rip someone's head off because I'm hangry. We all know that feeling instead of getting there. It's just 
okay, I'm still hungry. And if you have never had that experience, it sounds impossible, but it's the most liberating thing to know, okay, I'm going to get home. I'm going to cook something healthy. There's something in my fridge. It might not be something I can grab right away from the pantry because that's not, you know, always the healthy, fresh food, but I can take 10, 15 minutes or three minutes and scramble some eggs. And I'm not feeling that same anxiety and pressure. And like, I'm starving and I'm going to pass out because I allow my body to adapt to burning fat for fuel and get to a place where it can do that. And so it's really that freedom. Does that make sense? It's like that I don't have to freak out in this moment that I've started to get hungry because I'm not actually going to get to the crazy hangry place. I'll just, I'll just still be hungry. Absolutely. It's metabolic resilience is really what that is because we have reserves. And I know that you studied so much about that. We've got glycogen reserves in our liver. We've got fat reserves that we can rely on. And I know so much about that. It's probably in the new book that is like out right now the keto quick start. But I don't think people recognize that when we have stabilized energy fuel in the body, that we have this metabolic resilience that allows us to not get hangry. And that's probably that big shift. And I'm so glad that you not only had that realization, but that you're educating about that. Because yes, so often people feel like they have to have that granola bar or the kind bar, whatever that may be for those moments because they don't necessarily have that resilience due to the high level of these major sweeps, these glucose sweeps that people are experiencing. And that anxiety that somebody might feel who is not metabolically flexible to be able to burn fat for fuel, that anxiety is real because they will start to feel hangry and shaky, right? Because they haven't gotten to a place where they're training their body to burn fat for fuel. In that moment where that hunger starts to kick in, that's that, I I call them like magic moments where your body can start to identify that we actually, like you said, we have fuel sitting on our hips, you know, on our arms. It's sitting here. It's sitting there. It's sitting there. But if we constantly fuel it in a way or we don't exercise, we constantly fuel it in a way where it's never signaled to tap into stored body fat, then we're constantly going to feel that crazy blood sugar drop and feel the need to reach for the granola. I'm dating myself because it was like the chewy, Quaker chewy granola bar and it had like the silver wrapper with the brown because it had the chocolate chips. Like that was what I was eating at the time. But yes, it would be like a kind bar or a Lara bar now, which I think are an okay food, a Lara bar. It's just if you're getting to that place where you constantly are freaked out and you can't let your body feel hunger and then have those moments where it can adapt to hunger and allow the hunger signal to say, hey body, let's tap into stored body fat. And you can't get to that place if you're eating tons of refined foods all the time that are making you spike and crash your blood sugar. It actually isn't It isn't available to you, that moment, that magic moment where you can easily tap into stored body fat to last a lot longer. And so that's really where the idea of eating high quality carbohydrates, vegetables, et cetera, where you're fueling your body in a great way. It's not like you're not ever touching a carb, although I can, you know, I can talk about both sides of things. I can talk about if people do want to approach it from a keto perspective, or if they just want to reduce it to a place where, you know, it's a little more balanced for their body. But I, I just think that that's such a liberating experience to, to get to that place. I agree. I think having our hormones, having our brain 
having so much of our body being hijacked by sugar and by constant fluctuating insulin levels can create a lot of anxiety. And for me, as a hormone expert, my big concern is that when we eat sugar, we ramp up cortisol levels. And I know that cortisol hijacks our willpower. It hijacks our cortex and it leads us into this vicious cycle of constantly wanting and needing sugar that doesn't really fuel us in the way that it is. And as we all know, when cortisol is raised up, we tend to then store, we tend to store more Mm -hmm. fat. And that was always a concern for me when it came to sugar addictions is how do we get through this spiral? And what are some of the key takeaways? What are some of the things that you've learned? Mm -hmm. I know you've walked so many people, so many of your community members through a 21 day sugar detox. You know, what are some of the big, not only takeaways that people can get from that, but how you can set them up for success in that moment? Because as you can imagine, you know, sugar is quite addictive. Yeah, there's a few things. And I think One of the things that originally drew me to creating the 21 Day Sugar Detox when I did, and I created that originally back in 2010, um, and part of that was, you know, it was something that I needed too at the time. I think many years ago, a lot of us who learned, okay, sugar is not good. (laughs) We need to get the sugar out. But even if you can remember 2010, we were still in a time And, you know, we still battle it a little bit now, but back then it was even worse where people were just getting away from the fear of fat. So I felt like if I'm going to tell you not to eat sugar, I need to tell you what to eat instead. And there was this little bit of an element of just trust me here, folks, you know, because not everybody was super on board with, okay, we're not going to eat sugar, but we're going to eat the bacon with the fat on it and not be scared of it and butter and ghee and avocado and olive oil and the skin on their chicken and the yolks from their eggs and all of that. And really I came, I came to it with this perspective of, let me show you all the things you can eat and just give me three weeks, you know, like, let me show you what this can feel like. And I walked people through, here's what you can expect day by day, because If you don't tell people it's going to be difficult, days three through seven are possibly going to be painful. Maybe even through day 10, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it will get better. Like if they don't know it's going to get harder before it gets better, they might give up on day three or four, right? Because it just feels not that great. And then you feel like, well, I'm going to throw in the towel because I thought I was supposed to feel better. And I'm like, you will. It just, it's not going to be immediate because this is how your body works. And I, you know, I teach people about what's happening with their glycogen stores and all of that, as you mentioned, but from the practical side, one element was, okay, you're not going to eat this, but look at all of this food. This is what you're going to eat. And part of that was a yes, no list of like, here's what you're eating. Here's what you're not eating. And part of that really was, you know, my background, I grew up, my dad's Italian. My mom's German. People often ask if I have an Italian mom. I'm like, no, but she wishes that she was Italian. So she used to cook a lot of Italian food. She's default Italian. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, "Mm, I don't really make the whole like sauerkraut stuff. So we had a lot of pasta growing up, all of that. But I grew up with a family of parents who cooked a ton and I have always cooked. And I was like, well, I'm going to give people information, but I'm also going to give them recipes. And I think that's something that, you know, it's a bit unique to the way that I like to teach people. There are a lot of nutrition books, programs, et cetera. And there might be some recipes in there. And I think that's totally fine. I have nothing against that. But my approach has always been extremely like a 360 where I'm teaching you about how food works in the body. So I'm giving you the why and I'm giving you the how 
all in one book. And I think that's really empowering for people because if I tell you why not to eat sugar, what's wrong with it, what's happening in your body, but then you're like, okay, so now what do I do? And you don't have beautiful pictures of food that make you feel like you won't be deprived. Sometimes it can feel a little bit like you're left. So that was a really big thing for me was to keep it all in one book where I'm actually giving you these recipes right away, beautiful pictures and showing you what you can eat. The other part is really supporting people and getting them to identify like breakfast is such an important meal to change what you're eating. Because even if somebody doesn't do the 21 day sugar detox, like we'll have people to come that come to the Facebook group. We have a big Facebook community for the program. It's extremely supportive. It's very warm and welcoming. I'm really proud of the group of folks we have in there because nobody is like, you did it wrong. Get out. Like Everyone's just super supportive. But if someone says, I'm a little nervous, I don't know if I want to start this right away, then I will just encourage them. You know what? Start with breakfast because we know what the standard American breakfast looks like. It's pastries, it's cereals, it's, you know, granola bars and muffins, or it's or it's a latte with a bunch of sugar or not and nothing else. So if I can get people to start with breakfast and I can show them lots of other things to eat for breakfast, especially something portable, kind of like a frittata where they just take a slice, maybe heat it up and go and really show people that they can make that change. And then the other thing is really helping people to prepare. And we're talking about a bunch of different like approaches and programs and books and all of that, but I'm not dogmatic about whatever it's going to be that's going to help someone. So, you know, my first book is Practical Paleo and then I have the Sugar Detox and now it's Keto Quick Start. But I want to meet people where they are and I want to help them as best I can with whatever it is that sounds like it might help them. So if someone wants to try keto, great. Here, take this book. But if you're like, you know what? 21 days sounds doable to me. Great. Here you go. And in the recent 21 Day Sugar Detox Daily Guide that released just about a year ago now, something that I was really passionate about doing was creating like a calendar for people where I start you a week before and tell you what to do. Here's a lesson. Here's the day you clean out your pantry. Here's the day you go online to order stuff if it's not at your local grocery store and literally like day by day walking you through what to do each day, what to expect, what you're going to feel, the days you're going to be super excited to start and the days you're going to be like, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, and really breaking it down for people each day. And that was a big change to the program when I released that a year ago. And people found so much help in that and so much freedom's not the word, but it was like it calmed a lot of anxieties because not only did I tell them what to expect each day, but they they felt like, or they still feel like as you go through it, if you check the boxes and you read this lesson and you do this thing and you're eating the food, you get a great sense of accomplishment. It's like every day you can turn another page and say, great, I crushed that day. Here's a little journal I fill in, you know? So I think a lot of times people get super overwhelmed at the idea of quitting sugar or giving up sugar or not eating as many carbs, whatever it is. And I think if you focus on each day, one day at a time and have these little mini victories and also don't beat yourself up if one day you take a bite of something and you're like, shoot, <laughs> you know, whoops, wasn't supposed to take a bite of that today. Like that's life. We make mistakes or we do something we didn't really intend to do. And then we course correct and keep moving forward because I think so often people get this all or nothing mindset where if they make a mistake, they may as well just keep on making them and give it all up. And I'm like, that's not realistic. I need you to recognize, did you make a choice? You were making your kids lunch. You put something in there that, I mean, first of all, we should be making them with the same healthy foods that we would want to eat, but that's besides the point. It's funny how that works. You know, you throw a cookie in there, whatever, and you take a bite of something and 
you know what I mean? Like there's the mindless oops. And there's also the, well, it's my friend's birthday this weekend and I don't care. I want to have some wine or whatever it is. And I just want you to examine what that decision was. Was it a decision? Were you rebelling? Are you not keeping a promise to yourself? Or are you just not committed? Or did you just make that decision? And then you can keep moving on. So giving people all of these tools makes it really practical and showing people how to be prepared for the days ahead. And the last thing I'll say about it is, I don't think I've ever written this analogy into one of my books, but I I use this one a lot. People really struggle with just not being prepared with food. If you just had all your food for the whole week and it was all mapped out and maybe you had a couple alternates in case you're like, I don't really feel like chicken today or whatever it's going to be. The margin for error is very small when your food is all ready. But there's this thing that happens where somehow people forget that they're going to keep getting hungry every day, day after day. I'm like, you know that you're going to have to go to the bathroom every day, right? So you keep toilet paper in the house. But for some reason, we really cut ourselves short on thinking and planning ahead about food. And I'm not saying to get obsessive about it, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to eat? It has to be this. It's just more being thoughtful about your future self, knowing you're going to keep getting hungry time and time again, every single day, over and over again. So, you know, someone like me, I'm with my family, we're eating breakfast already thinking and talking about lunch, which is like a joke in my family. We just, we love food, but that's the reality. Like, great, we're going to do something else for several hours and then lunch will come. So if we're prepared for it, then we save ourselves so much stress. We save ourselves decision-making in a moment when we're weaker, right? Our willpower is, I mean, as the day goes on, it's not a thing. We have to have a plan in place. That's something that I see people really coming out of any of my programs or using any of the books. They're like, I am just so much better at like thinking ahead and having what I need. And it's not that hard when you have what you need around you, but that takes time to get used to. I 100% agree. I think planning is everything because once you're at that state where you're starving, we really have a difficult time making those great decisions and we're just going to eat whatever's in sight. Right. And I do love each book has its, it carries its own weight Mm -hmm. and depending on what people are looking for, they can really get what they want. And I love that you, the way that you put that is that you're really meeting people where they're at. Yeah. I'm, I'm not dogmatic about it. I don't think there's one best way for everyone. And actually I wasn't going to write this keto book. I first ate keto in 2010. Nobody was really talking about it. So I didn't really talk about it. I was eating keto paleo when I wrote Practical Paleo. So all these people are asking me like, oh, you're writing a keto book now. I thought you were paleo. I'm like, well, actually I was eating this way a long time ago because I found it worked really well for me. But I have a lot of folks in my 21 Day Sugar Detox community who are curious about keto. And I was like, well, I will really trust a resource that I write the best. You know what I mean? Like I can trust what I'm telling people hundred percent. So I was like, I may as well put what I know into this book because I'm never going to tell anyone paleo is the only way you can be healthy. 21 day sugar detox is the only and best program for everyone or that keto is for everyone and everyone should do it. Like, I just don't think that way as I don't think that that's true. But I do think that if you're going to try paleo, if you want a three week program, if you want to go keto and see what it's all about, having what I, I consider myself to be a bit of a soft landing, though I'm a bit of a tough love kind of person. I'm a soft landing because if you come to me and ask about keto, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong if you don't eat keto. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I will tell you, here are the ins and outs. Here's what it's all about. Here's the truth. Here's some myths or overstatements some people might make about things. 
and I'll tell you a safe, effective, healthy way to do it and make your choice. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really want people to be empowered with the information. I don't want to be like a diet guru, dogmatic leader of anything. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I think a lot of people appreciate the soft landing, you know, because there is so much judgment and shame around food and a lot of the different ways to be eating. And there are a lot of experts out there that are really sticking to one thing. Or if like you failed at one thing, that it's your fault. And sorry to jump in there, but this is the cool thing about keto that when I was like, what's my really deep connection to why I need to write this new book? Because honestly, there are a ton of people and I'm sure tons of your listeners are like, oh my God, this is me when you hear me say this. But For a lot of people, you might really want or need to lose weight. And I don't want to shame anybody for that. For a lot of folks, maybe they're dealing with PCOS or blood sugars out of control, or they're dealing with, you know, excess body fat that for health reasons needs to go. And, you know, I think someone who's within the last 10 to 15 pounds, those are aesthetic reasons. I'm not against those. I'm just saying there is a difference. But if you're somebody who has tried different things over and over, and the thing about adjusting your nutrition or quote dieting is feeling hungry all the time is a terrible feeling. It's not a place you want to be. It makes you more anxious. It makes you resent what you're doing. That was me years ago when I went to a nutritionist and she had me eating low fat and I was training for a half marathon. I was eating tons of calories, but I hated it because I was literally hungry all the time. I'd hate feeling hungry. I hate it. It'll spike my cortisol more just because I'm stressed about it. But eating low carb or keto for a lot of people provides that freedom of, like I was saying before, you just, you get hungry, but it's not that freak out hungry feeling. And it's this big sigh of relief that there is this way to eat that's really satiating. I don't have to feel deprived and I can lose the body fat in a healthy, manageable way without just stressing and feeling hungry all the time. You know what I mean? Or or eating every two to three hours. And that's not going to work for everyone. There are some people who are going to try eating low carb or keto. And after three weeks or a month, they're still not starting to feel better. And I don't need for people to bang their head against the wall and say, you need to give it three to six months. I don't need for people to do that. If after three to four weeks, it's not starting to at least feel better then it's not for you. And that's okay. You haven't failed. It's just not something that your body finds to be helpful. You know what I mean? So I just think it's a good mindset to have that people come into these things saying, I'm going to explore if this feels good for my body, because if it does, cool, I learned something new. And if it doesn't, also cool, I learned something new about my body. I agree. I think we are all so individually different and something's going to work for someone. It's not going to work for the other person. And just exploring that is going to be a huge thing without guilt or shame or concern, just exploring or being inquisitive of what that particular way of eating can bring to you. Now, Diane, honey, I have a a real quick question. I wanted to know, and I I bet you get asked this all the time, what does a day in a life look like for you? What does breakfast look like? Now, girl, I am a savory breakfast kind of girl, but I would love to know if you were to walk us through a day, how does that look? 
I mean, I can tell you what I've had so far today if you want. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a little bit of a weird day because like I said, I left the house, which I know that sounds crazy, but I work from home. I go to the gym pretty close by. We also have a gym in our garage and I'm kind of home a lot, which I like. I like to travel, but I'm also a homebody. So I'm like one end of the spectrum or the other. But today I got up and I had two scrambled eggs, a little splash of coconut milk in there. I have a spice line that I created. I put some of my spices in there, which is really, honestly, it's important because you're getting more micronutrients from spices. I put a little bit of feta in the eggs. I mean, I'm such a foodie that I will describe everything about it if you really want, but they're cooked in ghee. Usually for breakfast, I try and go heavy on protein and fat. So that was breakfast. I had my matcha. So my matcha is a little bit filling. So I put a bunch of stuff in there. (laughs) Okay. What do you put in your matcha? Because I don't know if I have a book on matcha. I did not know. I should read it. Okay. So I put, I mean, how much time do we have? Because this matcha concoction. I'm going to need to know about this matcha concoction. So share it with us. I mean, I'm really crazy and I'm extremely particular and detail oriented. So it's like, I will add a splash of X, a drop of Y, you know, I have new, whatever, because I'll just get my- I have new and I love it. I'll just get it. So I put a splash of coconut milk in there and then I put a heaping scoop of collagen. Sometimes I'll do two, but because I was also eating with it, I just did one. Sometimes I do two if I'm not having food with it. I'll do a scoop of this MCT powder matcha combination. It's not a full scoop, but- I like it. It's a nice texture and it has some matcha, but then I add some extra like better matcha and I know that I should be like whisking it and be legit about it, but I don't. So I put a a little bit, maybe a half a teaspoon of some ceremonial grain matcha. And then I also put a little bit of cacao butter. Cacao butter to me is the game changer. Having high quality matcha is obviously going to give you the best taste and preparing it properly. I'm sure this is detailed in your book. So forgive me, but cacao butter, I mean, it just makes the best tasting matcha. So anyway, I blend that all with some water as well. So hot water. And then that's it. Like that's my matcha. And if I don't have breakfast, sometimes if I'm training at seven in the morning, sometimes nine, I might not have breakfast. I'll usually put two scoops of protein in there. And I mean, It's a pretty calorically dense matcha. Honestly, it's really more of a matcha latte with all kinds of stuff. So that happens in the morning. Are you like, that's an abomination of matcha? Oh, not at all. Oh, girl. I, so I do a matcha latte. I do it with almond milk. We do it with collagen as well. So we have a ceremonial grade matcha. We do the whole whiskey thing, the whole thing. Then we add one or two scoops of collagen, depending on same kind of situation, figuring out what else I'm doing. And then I am such a big fan of cinnamon. I love cinnamon. Oh, I'll try it in my matcha. I do like cinnamon. Yeah. Like a little sprinkle. It just, I don't know. It just, it just pumps it up a little bit. I want to know about this cacao you butter. You need to put cacao butter in it. Yes. You have to do that if you're blending it, which is probably like against the real matcha rules, but you could blend it separately with whatever is hot. Like if your almond milk is hot and you want to blend it separately and then kind of pour that together maybe with your matcha, because the cacao butter is, it's pure saturated fat, right? But it's like a healthy form of saturated fat. It's basically white chocolate without any milk or sugar added to it. So it's a hundred percent cocoa fat and it is amazing (laughs) and it's white. Yeah. It's amazing. 
Big fan. I had no idea we were going to get to talk about matcha. I really had no idea. It is life changing. And there's so many, uh, I could go on the benefits about that. So I went and I worked out this morning and I like, I'm working out with a trainer right now. It's some body weight stuff, like lunges and corrective exercises, and then some relatively heavy for me right now, deadlifts. So lifting and all of that. So I came back and it was probably about like, by about 10 o'clock, I had, I knew I had to leave the house sometime before 11 and I was kind of hungry and I just knew, you know, it's supposed to work out. I need to eat something. So I made a salad. So it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm a big fan of a breakfast salad, but this was definitely more like lunch and it was a bunch of arugula and microgreens. I chopped up some organic deli turkey and ham. I put some pepperoncini on there just to like, I don't know, kick up the little kick. Yeah. Umami and delicious sourness of that and some homemade balsamic vinaigrette. And that was my lunch, I guess. And then I came back from this thing that I went to for a couple of hours and my husband had cooked a steak that was a little bigger than one serving. So he cut up some slices of steak for me and I just basically ate steak with some salt because I don't know, sometimes I just want a bunch of protein and fat. And so right before this interview, I had, I don't know, probably about like four ounces of a pretty relatively fatty, like grass-fed steak from a local farm with a bunch of salts. And I actually marinated it ahead of time. I love marinating steak. Actually, in my uh, new book in Keto Quick Start, it's called Umami Steak Salad. I marinate steak in coconut aminos. And I recommend the Big Tree brand for this. There's multiple brands, but this one is the most like soy sauce, coconut aminos, and then either fresh garlic or I have, I was just telling you I have spices from my spice line. I have one called trifecta and it's garlic, salt, and pepper, which is the trifecta of cooking. <laughs> like we put garlic, salt, it's and pepper true. on everything. It's everything. <laughs> so I just used the coconut aminos and then trifecta and like get it marinating for a few hours. When you grill that, oh my gosh, it's the best steak ever. So there you go. It sounds amazing. I love it. Well, I just wanted to kind of get a, in the life of what it is and what it looks like and really how it works for you just to kind of paint the picture. Yeah. And I haven't had dinner yet. And I know you guys are ta- always talking about the next meal. Do you know what dinner's going to be? Um, you know, so it's not quite three o'clock here. What I'll probably do is go forage through the freezer and pull something out of the freezer. And sometimes we'll just like defrost it in the sink. We're a little low on defrosted proteins right now, but we always have stuff in our extra freezer. So that's something that we'll do. But I also, you know, I work from home, so it's not like I'll get home at five or six o'clock and have to figure it out. I can be like, hey, honey, we've got a few hours before dinner. Let's pull something out of the freezer. You know, I keep it pretty low carb. I did also drink some kombucha with that steak, and that's that's a good amount of like carbs in my day, but I keep it pretty low carb. Most of the time, especially these days, I, I go in waves where I'm doing that or I'm not. And I do feel much better when I eat that way. When I don't eat lower carb or even keto, it's mostly just because I'm like annoyed and don't feel like dealing with it. (laughs) Like it's not because I feel better eating that way, or I think it's a better way to eat. I honestly do feel better eating this way, but you know, we all get fatigued sometimes with certain things that we're choosing to eat, or we're just like, eh, I want some gluten-free toast this morning. And then it becomes a while that you're doing that in the mornings or whatever. And I just don't make a big deal of it. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to change back over and do this again, because I did that for a while and it was enjoyable, but I'm not sure my body loves it the most, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes sense. So really just cueing in to your body, 
always listening to it and then and being open to exploration. Yeah. And you know, if you are like, I found out that this thing really works for me and then I kind of fell off of it for a while. So what? My mom says life is long. I always say life is short. Okay. But you know, I think people beat themselves up way too much. I have seen this a lot in the keto community too, where people are like, well, if I do this, then will I not be keto? And I'm like, is the keto police going to come get you? Like, Right. They're going to arrest you right here and there. Who cares? It's not important. I think it really is important to listen to your body. And I think listening to your body is also listening a little bit to the stress or anxiety of things. Like if, if eating a certain way is making you feel crazy, then just scale it back and you're going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. I just love all of it. And Diane, honey, where can we find you? You have got one of the most beautiful podcasts. Can you tell us about the podcast? Can you tell us? I mean, I will be linking in the show notes to all the books because we talked about all of them. But most importantly, the new one that's coming out that that's out right this second, the Keto Quick Start. But tell us, girl, how can we find you? Yeah. So the Balanced Bites podcast is live new every week on Thursdays. We have been producing that show for more than seven years. So it's been a long time and I would love to have some folks come over and listen to the show. I think you'll love it. We probably talk about a lot of similar topics and it's just a really fun time. Myself and my co-host Liz Wolf, who we have been friends for as long as we've had the podcast. And it's just a great, I love it. I love our podcast listeners. They're very dear to me, but that's probably the best like every week kind of thing. I've of course got an email newsletter, Instagram. I'm super active on Instagram. And depending on where you live, I am touring over the course of January, February, and probably a bit of March. So if you want to come meet me in person, I would absolutely love to meet you. I am touring to really talk about Keto Quick Start. But if you're just curious to know more about me or any of the books or programs that I talk about or just health in general, I would love for you to come out and kind of see what it's all about because I don't limit what I'm talking about just to whatever, you know, that one book is for the moment. So Keto Quick Start, it's available everywhere books are sold. Costco, Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, everywhere, independent bookstores. I would absolutely love for you guys to check it out. Or if you have a friend who's curious and you're not into the idea of keto, but you really want to make sure that they're learning like a healthy approach to it. And it's not just beef and bacon and cheese. I focus a lot on giving people recipes that include plenty of vegetables because I think that that's really important. I would absolutely love for you guys to check out Keto Quick Start because it released on January 1st, just in time for everyone who's been looking to learn more. And you know, if you're somebody who needs to kick sugar, the 21 Day Sugar Detox is a fantastic program for that. And we have a wonderful community there. And we have a lot of folks there who are, you know, they do that program and then they're curious about keto after that. And you know, that may be something that you're interested in and it may not. But for sure, if you're dealing with cravings, issues and hormonal imbalances, PCOS, any of that, if you're dealing with type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes, all of these programs are super, super helpful and effective. I've got a lot of places to point people. It's kind of like whatever is going on with you. If practical paleo can't handle it, something else that I've written can. And I just love to support people in helping themselves and feeling super empowered that we all have something we can do about supporting our bodies in naturally being healthier. Well, thank you. My goodness. I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on this. Like I said, you guys, everyone, the links will all be there. So go whatever is feeling and resonating right for you. Go and grab that book. 
I really encourage you guys to go to the website, find out where she's going. Sorry, I forgot to say the website, balancedbites.com. Or actually, if you just like Google my name, Diane Sanfilippo, spell it however you want. I'm sure you'll find it with Diane Sanfilippo. You can get me at dianesanfilippo.com or at Diane Sanfilippo on Instagram. You'll find me there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, my dear. Thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me. How refreshing was Diane? I knew I loved her when I found out that she had written a book on the 21-day sugar detox. When we connected before this interview, it was clear that we had a mutual philosophy around too much sugar. Now, if you're curious about a whole foods ketogenic diet and want to learn more about what it entails, I highly, highly recommend Diane's book. I actually got an early copy of the book and we have been making recipes out of the book. I love it. It's beautifully done. It's so simply put and really it's going to give you everything that you want to know about living a whole foods ketogenic lifestyle if that is what you're looking for, if that is your food philosophy. So I want you to go to the show notes and grab your copy of the Keto Quick Start Or you can even just head on over to Amazon and find Diane Sanfilippo. Again, she's got all of those other great books, but this is the newest one right now, The Keto Quick Start. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode, I'm bringing on a special guest and a dear friend from New York, Erin Stutland, and she is going to show us how to manifest what we want through mindful movement. And she also has the most incredible gift that she'll be sharing with us. So don't miss out next week. And as I mentioned earlier on the show, we are adding two shows a week starting this week. Today is Friday as we are launching the second episode of the year. But stay tuned every week, twice a week for new episodes and incredible insight on the Essentially You podcast. I can't wait to be a part of this incredible year with you. And until next time, have an amazing new year and set those beautiful goals and intentions for what you want to create. Bye.